Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, friends, and welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele. Hey, quick announcement for all of you. I recently learned some exciting news about alumni at Urbana. The alumni discount code U22ALUMNI just increased from $100 to $150 off. And that's a retroactive benefit. So if you already signed up for Urbana using that code, you will also receive $150 off instead of the original 100 So make sure that you're taking advantage of that while you can. The discount's available through November 30th. Okay, new week, new episode. I'm excited for you to meet today's guest. Her name is Sarah, and she's a UNC Wilmington alumna circa 2014. Now, I'm excited about this conversation for multiple reasons. First and foremost, Sarah has an incredible story. The whirlwind adventure that she went on from before meeting InterVarsity through her early years after graduation is incredible. I'll call it a dance that she and Jesus were doing for years. I'm so glad that we get to hear this story. Second, I'm excited that Sarah's joining us because she's a longtime listener of the podcast. You know, many of our guests up to this point haven't even heard of After Four, uh, let alone listened to every single episode. Sarah's been with us for a while now, and I love that we get to benefit from the story of an alumna who's been blessed by the stories of so many other alumni that we've had on the podcast so far. That's really cool, and I'm very excited about it. So, without any further ado, here's Sarah, and this one's for you, alumni. Hello, Sarah. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm a little nervous, but but pretty good, considering. That's okay. You're in good company. I think almost everybody who's ever been on this podcast has never been on a podcast before. So you're, you're not the first to come in saying, oh man, I don't know how this is going to go. Sarah, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you? What do you do? Help me just get to know Sarah a little bit. Okay. My name is Sarah Craig. I went to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Uh, I graduated in 2014. It's crazy to think that it's been eight years. I know everyone says this on your podcast. feels like it was just <laughs> yesterday, but it, but it really does. Yeah, they say it because it's true. It is true. And apparently, as you get older, time flies by faster. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> um, presently, I am working at RTS Atlanta, Reformed Theological Seminary. I'm the executive assistant at the Edmondson Center, my boss, Karen and Carl Ellis, they basically created a curriculum talking about the international church and how they persevere as Christians. And we're equipping lay people and the everyday Christian to take bits and pieces of what they're doing and bring it into their local church communities. Things like studying the history of prayer, the purpose of prayer, how to pray, praying for your enemies, things like that. It's a really interesting set of courses. It's been awesome. So that's what I'm doing right now. I just help make things happen. I actually also used to work for a church for about two years. I was a ministry coordinator. I really got to see the human side behind what a church looks like. It really grew a compassion and affection on my heart towards what an imperfect church is 
And it gave me the tools to be a little bit more patient and not expect perfection from the church. So that's been really an interesting couple of years where just seeing that the church actually is important, why it's important. I I have an affection for the church that wasn't there when I was in college. And honestly, I, I really feel like the church really mirrors my my affection for university. That's so encouraging to hear, you know, somebody that's that's worked in a church that's seen the kind of behind the scenes things. That would be plenty of opportunity to throw up your hands and be like, okay, this is just as messed up as everybody says it is. I'm done. Instead, for that to actually be something that's creating space in your heart for, no, God is at work in the midst of people in the church, like broken people, messing things up, but still God chose them on purpose to be a part of this process. And exciting to hear that your love for the church today, some of that standard was set for your communal experiences with InterVarsity during your college days. I would love to hear, is there one story that stands out that you're like, this is what sort of paints the picture of what my InterVarsity experience was like during college? So to answer your question, I have to tell a story before the actual story. It was a really difficult semester for me because I had been, I'd been partying a lot and, you know, just typical prodigal son story. It was pretty bad for me. People in college joke and say there's no such thing as alcoholism, but the way I was partying, the type of lifestyle I had, I was basically a functioning alcoholic and I had severe depression. You would think that as social as I was, I was happy, but I wasn't. I was very miserable and I studied abroad as a last resort because I just was not in a good place. Prior to going abroad, God had actually intervened and shown me that he was protecting me from the lifestyle that I was participating in. but he would let me continue if I wanted to, but that was my choice. And if I continued down that path, I saw for myself that it would be destructive. So I was studying abroad. And when I was abroad, it's funny, I resorted back to my faith because I knew that that was my foundation. I knew that I had nothing else when everything was falling apart in my life. So when I was abroad, I listened to sermons in every spare moment I had in between classes, going to the cafeteria. And looking back now, I'm like, wow, God, you're really doing some gardening in my heart because why would I be interested in that? I had a Bible that I did not touch. It was pristine before I went abroad. So when I came back after studying abroad, I went on Facebook and I looked up multi-ethnic Bible study group. I don't know why I looked it up that way. I just did. And I came across a couple pictures pertaining to my school. So I clicked on it. I joined their group. And then I just started going. It was very weird <laughs> because <laughs> the people in the group were so different from the people that I partied with. They were just happy. And they have peace. They have peace with each other. They have peace in themselves. They were just nice and pleasant and caring. I remember walking in class one day and I was like, I don't know what they have, but I want it. So I continued to hang out with them. On one hand, I was still trying to live the life I wanted, but I go to these large group settings and these hangouts that they would have during the week to be completely transparent. If I'm not already being transparent enough, I struggled for the last couple of years in college because I would go to university and then stop going and go to university and stop going. But during that time in my life, when I was trying to figure out whether or not I was going to commit, there were people in university who they never chastised me. They would come get me from the club, take care of me when I was sick. I got stranded one day downtown and this girl, no questions asked, she came and got me. She just made herself available to me without asking me to change. 
And I wanted more of my relationship with her and in a varsity because of the way that they live their lives. And we know in scripture, we are called to present our lives in such a way where our lives can speak for themselves. So that's what they did. They came to me in the spaces that I was in and they didn't compromise their lifestyle to be my friend. They were always ready to answer my questions and just comfort me and be with me. So of course, that just kind of ignited something in me. Didn't know what it was, but I just saw that these people were generous with their time. So I would say that that's probably one thing that sticks out. The people sincerely cared for me. And then probably one of the last standout memories for me was we went to a spring retreat. It was my last semester in college. We were celebrating the end of the year and there was this room full of people. And this is going to sound very cheesy, but I felt a tangible presence in the room, this warmth, almost as if it was like enveloping us. And I knew that we were in there together in a way that was, I would call supernatural. We were brought together by one faith. We sincerely, collectively, corporately believed in this God that we were willing to turn our lives over to. I'm a very feeling-y person. So that tangible feeling that I had, that warmth, was probably what I needed. It was the end of my college career. And it felt like little by little, God had been planting things. And it was one of those send off moments where I was like, this is a real thing. And I'm going to have to remember this, that the purpose behind this group is good. And it needs to be held on to no matter what that means in the coming years. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds to me like this authentic communal experience really stood out to you. These people that were willing to to be a genuine friend to you, even though you came from very different perspectives on how to live life at the time. This person that's willing to come down to the club where you're stranded and pick you up without requiring any sort of change from you. These are things that started to stand out to you of like, oh, wow, there's something more here than what I've got right now. And it sounds like that was very transformative. You referred to yourself earlier. You said this very prodigal son moment. I'm assuming then that your time with InterVarsity was this return from the far off land into the arms of the father. This was the place that sort of brought you back into like, this needs to be held on to. This is what my life needs to look like moving forward. Yeah, no, I mean, God is so gentle. He didn't come thundering down on me, right? He does not break a bruised reed. It says that in scripture. And when I think back on InterVarsity and the people that he allowed to interact with me, they saw how broken and bruised I was and they just gently came alongside me and they waited for me. And I don't think I could ever convey how thankful I am for the patience that the Holy Spirit worked in their lives to just be there for me. So then, Sarah, as you're in this part of your life and you're looking towards graduation, what were some of the expectations that you had been sort of setting up for yourself at that time? Like, okay, this is what my life after college is going to be. To be completely honest, I just wanted to graduate. Because I had struggled with alcohol and because of the way that I lived my life during college, I didn't know if I was going to graduate. Here's another little shout out to God. I graduated because I took this one course by accident. They marked me down for the wrong class, but somehow <laughs> it counted for double the credits and it completed my prereqs for graduation. So yay, shout out to the Lord. But that was on my mind as I was graduating. Like this mistake allowed me to graduate. But really when I was graduating, I didn't have too many expectations. I saw the work that the Lord had done in my life. And I just knew that the commitment was real. In March of that semester, I had done the whole public profession of faith. 
we were in large group and one of the Bible study leaders was asking the group, is there anyone here who wants to give their life over to the Lord? I started shaking, like my hands were trembling. I was like, this is it. it." Because I knew, I knew that the Holy Spirit was asking me directly. I didn't respond. (laughs) So two (laughs) weeks later, it happened again. I was again, shaking. As worldly as I was, I knew what that would mean. I know what it means to be dutiful and committed, but I just stood up and I was like, me, I'll do it. For me, I thought graduating college, this is it. I did it. I gave my life over to the Lord. Lord, it doesn't matter what happens next. I'm going to follow you. Send me wherever you'll send me. Right. All those things. He answered very slowly, but also, you know, there's free will. So when I graduated, I ended up living with a guy. I had met this guy after getting out of a really terrible situation. And I prayed because I knew in my mind that there was no way that God in his infinite wisdom would allow me to go into another relationship after exiting a terrible, abusive one. I I audibly heard the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit told me, let it go. And I let it go. I broke up with him and ended up going to Atlanta because I wanted to be a personal assistant to somebody who worked in the indie music scene. And it was terrible. I had just come out of the party scene and I was living with this guy who is super nice guy, but super worldly. You know, there's just weed everywhere, dogs running up and down the house. And I'm just like sleeping on the couch, like literally under the blanket reading my Bible and I'm crying. And I'm just like, God, this is not what you called me into. I wanted to believe that I was trying to be faithful in whatever he gave me, but I didn't have the understanding of what that actually meant. So literally just journaling, reading my Bible while trying to live this lifestyle that I didn't understand was not good for me. I was thinking, oh, well, I'm not drinking anymore. It's okay. No, that wasn't really the case. I was still in an environment that was not good for my walk with the Lord. So the guy that I had been dating, we reconnected. And he ends up coming to pick me up. So I'm over here thinking, God, thank you. Someone came to save me. It's crazy how the human mind will twist things when we desperately want it. Even as a young Christian, I knew living with a guy was not the thing I should be doing. But basically, I'm doing the same thing, reading my Bible every day. I'm just marking that pristine Bible. And I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way that this is good. I am actively choosing to do something that I knew was not right. And it sounds so stupid now as a 31 year old. I'm just like, girl, what were you doing? He was nice to me, but what is nice, right? Like (laughs) nice is not holy, nice is not kind. And I was standing in the kitchen one day and it was not an audible voice this time, but the phrase, the wages of sin are death crossed my mind. And I was like, okay, it's time to go home. So I purchased a plane ticket and I'm, I'm in the airport just bawling. And I'm like, God, do I have to leave this person? But As a young Christian, I think I knew deep down inside that that would really set the course of the rest of my walk with the Lord. So I went back to North Carolina. It was embarrassing, very embarrassing. But the Lord is gracious because the Lord reconnected me with a childhood friend of mine who taught me about intercessory prayer. So for the rest of that year, I was being taught about prayer and communing with the Lord. And quite literally for about six to eight months, I didn't do anything but work pray with my friend during the week and read my Bible. It was my bread and butter. That relationship with the Lord really does some kind of transformative work in you. And that was also the season of my life where I learned about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is real and how the Holy Spirit moves and works and to see the Lord manifest in a way that made him more whole. So it was good because 
the Lord knew that I needed equipping. He knew that I needed to see that he wasn't just faceless and waiting for me to mess up. When we think about, oh, what's my life after college going to be? My guess is that you didn't anticipate those things. Hiding under a blanket, reading your Bible with weed and all of these other things, even to the extreme of this season of prayer. My guess is that before graduating, you wouldn't have anticipated that, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. When you graduate, it's sort of like all bets are off. <laughs> you you have no clue what's going to happen next, the good or the bad, and that both of those things are out there. You've already shared some stories, but are there other things that come to your mind as far as like, this was way harder than I expected, and just really challenging stuff that I dealt with post-college? And then the flip side of that, and here are some ways that I met God, and that maybe even God redeemed some of those really hard things that you experienced. I think probably I had this expectation that we're going to go achieve something, something good, something big. When you think about how a lot of millennial Christians were raised, we think that there's going to be this big adventure, which life, yeah, is an adventure. But one of the hardest things was having to really accept that the adventure is actually everyday faith and everyday faithfulness with the Lord. I think there are Christians who, God bless them, God calls them to literally the middle of nowhere to do missionary work. but. There's also the mother who takes care of her children. There's also the pastor who is pastoring over a group of 20. You don't expect that that is what life as a Christian will look like. And if you do think that way, God bless you, man, you were much more mature than I was. So it was just really hard in the boring parts, waiting for the job interview, waiting for a response, waiting to find a church, just getting older, looking back and thinking, wow, it's already been one year since I graduated. Wow, it's already been five years since I graduated. Have I done anything? Have I achieved anything? I think that also really just shows in hindsight that I went into the world as a consumer and not as a giver. I'm kind of connecting that with my experience with like Rupert Church. For so long, one of the hardest things after college was finding a church, one, because InterVarsity didn't really champion the church. I didn't think I needed the church. I was so prideful, right? I was like, who needs them? They have it all messed up anyway. The church is led by a bunch of broken old people with zero faith. Little do I know that these people are just very, very seasoned. It was hard because I just kept thinking, there's something wrong with them. So selfish, so immature, but God is so gracious and he's so patient because over the course of the years, I would go to different churches. You know, of course I had all these complaints and I remember there was this one church I went to and it was relatively new and I was sitting there and again, I was critiquing the church as I was sitting in in the audience and the thought that crossed my mind was, so what are you going to do about it? And I was sitting there like, huh, I'm going to leave because I know what you're inviting me into, Lord. This is one of those moments again. And one of the things that I truly believe the Holy Spirit has taught me is if you have the discernment to notice and the equipping, you're being invited to be a part of the solution. Maybe you're not going to be the face of the movement, but I think we're all being invited into some kind of participation because we are what makes the church. So that was really hard because I was prideful, because I was immature, and because I didn't have a good experience with it. The university was amazing because I saw that there were people who cared and that God could do amazing things with willing hearts. But little by little, one by one, I would see my university friends go off into the world and There's quite a few of them who no longer walk with the Lord. It really grieves me because I wonder if they went through the same thing I did, if they had the same questions I did. This is just my opinion. I I felt like InterVarsity could have prepared me better in understanding that the real world is very different from college life. 
this transition doesn't mean it's over. It just means you are maturing and that to whom much is given, much is required. That at a point, you should be the one teaching. You should be the one giving generously. You should be the one watching out for that person that's struggling, that's hurting, that's broken because you were in their position once. We're given all of this, not so that we hold it in, but that so it could overflow out of us. So I really wish the church would have been presented to me in a way that would have helped me understand that the church should have been the next step. But it didn't happen. And for many years, many, many, many years, I did not attend church. I spent many moments critiquing the body. It just makes me so embarrassed thinking about it, but also wondering why I felt so abandoned and felt so alone. And it was because I was keeping myself from fellowship. And at the right time, the Holy Spirit really convicted me. It was like, it's time to go back to church. And I did. So it was hard because I wanted a good thing and it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. And I couldn't understand why I felt so betrayed and uncertain. And then it makes you question, was everything real? Were those experiences real? Is God trustworthy? Were those moments with my university family, were they real? Are they good? And can I still share them in faith that they were applicable and are applicable? But on the flip side, when I came into the church, it all came together. You know, the things I learned previously, the questions that I had, why community felt so important and so precious to me. Being in a church really solidified that for me. I think I've also grown in the fact that the body can also be that older mentor that you have that you connect with every once in a while. That is your brother or sister in Christ as well. That sister that you went to university with, that is your body member as well. It's comforting to realize that it's not just limited to one space, one location. And I see this design of there's the body in the local sense and the body in the global sense. It doesn't have to be just where you are. But in the meantime, where you are, if we believe that the Lord placed us there purposefully, then let's do something about it. Let's be a part of the work that the Lord is doing. So it sounds to me like as far as your transition from college to life after college went, you know, you you told these stories of these ups and downs that were happening, not only those things, but it seems like also this lack of preparation for what it looks like to be a part of the broader body of believers outside of your campus intervarsity context that played a huge role in like what do I do now? What's the point of my faith? And that it wasn't until, again, you have this moment with the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you to go back to church, that then you're starting to reap the benefits and understand, oh, this is where it happens. It comes together here in this local body, which is part of the global body. Sarah, you've shared a bunch of different things about your transitional experiences. If there's a brand new alum who's listening to our conversation right now, Is there anything that you have not had a chance to share yet that you would say, this is my advice for you to thrive in your life after college? Uh, Gosh, okay. Holy Spirit, please help me to be concise. (laughs) I'll just point them to your podcast. Um, Honestly, if I were to meet a new alumni today, I would probably tell them, gosh, so cheesy. In short, to continue trusting the Lord. That would really be the most basic thing to say. But I would probably go on to say, hey, when I say trust the Lord, I think really it's just hold on. I know it's hard, but hold on. Believe and expect that God will still be good. I can speak from experience that it is not easy to hold on when 
you can't understand why a good thing turns into a bad thing. Or if you've been faithful, then why isn't God being faithful back? You know, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. We know that. But those answers are not good enough sometimes. So I would probably tell them, hey, you know, I know those answers don't seem good enough. And I know that it's not easy. But hold on. Hope is coming. Hope is already here. And I think in a more practical sense, I would probably ask them something like, what are your expectations? Why do you think you have those expectations? What reason do you have to join a church? Why do you want to join a church? You know, like, do you think your calling is to go overcome something? Or is it to be a part of his family? I think there's a verse in Proverbs where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that disappointment is killer. You go out thinking, man, God is good. He's going to equip me. He's going to give me all these great things. We're going to overcome and Satan. We're going to get you, you know, whatever, right? And then something like cancer happens or divorce happens. And you're thinking, God, why? I tried so hard. Lord, I, I did everything I possibly could. I prayed. I fasted. We chose you. We said yes. And hard things happen. And circling that back to the whole aspect of hold on and re-examining your expectations, I would probably ask them to really ask themselves what type of relationship that they have with the Lord. Are you in a relationship with him because you want to be near him or because you want to do something on his behalf? When you can't do anything, are you still achieving, quote unquote? Or does that point to the fact that, man, it was always about relationship with him all along to just be with him? And I think in a way that kind of takes away the pressure of achieving and more about becoming and being with the Lord. It becomes an area of freedom, I think, because you're not out there looking for your calling or your gifts or your right placement and why it's not the time and why that marriage isn't happening for you yet. And rather, you're just like, man, I'm out here and God is still good and he's still with me and he will be with me till the end of the age. That is the one thing that is constant. Everything else subject to change. That would probably be my advice. I love that. What is it that you are in pursuit of? Because trying to accomplish as if that's going to get you into God's good graces or get you into the place you're supposed to be, then that's stuff that can just poof out of thin air. You can build something up and then it just crumbles and it's gone. But being near Jesus and wanting to be more like Jesus, that's something that whether you are living high on the hog or you're living in the mud, you can do that in either of those places. And that's a worthy lifelong endeavor to pursue. I appreciate that perspective. I truly believe there are people out there with still a lot of questions. And I think that they need special care because, gosh, the world is really hard. And just because you've graduated doesn't mean you've figured it out. So I really do appreciate you having this podcast and for the alumni department just existing, because I know that you guys are all working together to care for the alumni and to walk them through to the end and equip them in that way. I'm super thankful that there are people who are paying attention to the alumni. So thank you for that. Well, it is an absolute honor to get to do this work, to be able to do something like this podcast. Somebody much more creative than me came up with the idea. I just got asked to do it. So I'm really <laughs> grateful that I get to do this and talk with alumni like you, Sarah, who are having these real life experiences that we just don't always get to hear the stories of and working together in what it looks like to continue pursuing Jesus for the long haul. 
Thank you for being an alum. Thank you for your faithfulness, even in the places that I'm sure you would look and say I was not being faithful there. The fact that you are here now is a testimony to the Lord's faithfulness in your life, your desire, at least for faithfulness back with him. Thanks for being part of our community of alumni, Sarah. We are really grateful for you. And I'm really glad that I got to talk to you today. Thanks, Don. Wow. What a journey we just went on. From the party scene to warm, intimate community on campus, from unhealthy relationships to a friendship that introduced Sarah to truly communing with God through prayer, from critical love and uninvolved with the church to developing a deep love for the local and global body of believers. And what a great word of advice for all of us. What are our expectations? As we seek out a church community, are we there to clean things up and set the congregation straight with all of our leadership experience and evangelism training and knowledge from years of Bible study? Or are we there to learn, to humbly use our gifts and work in concert with the rest of the body? What are our expectations in our relationship with Jesus? Is it to do great things in his name and accomplish all there is to accomplish? Or is it to become more like him? to be near him and obediently follow him, whether that's into some high-stakes ministry setting or into the everyday faithfulness of being a good neighbor. It seems like one posture sets us up for significant frustration in our post-college journey, and while we'll undoubtedly still experience frustration, the other posture seems to create space for living faithfully and patiently into the life, community, and relationship with Jesus that awaits us after graduation. Sarah, you've given us some incredibly wise words to consider. Thank you for offering up your experiences to benefit other alumni. I'm so glad we had the chance to connect, and thank you for being a longtime listener of the podcast. On so many levels, I am so grateful for you, Sarah. All right, I look forward to hanging out again next week with our guests, Josiah and Brianna from Beza Threads. We're going to hear all about the work that they're doing to partner with organizations in Ethiopia to rescue women out of the sex trafficking industry and to provide them with leather crafting skills that will keep them employed and out of the sex trade for life. You do not want to miss this. And as always, please take a moment to subscribe, to rate and review After 4 on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to share with your friends. Those are some simple ways that you can help us keep doing what we're doing here on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you in the after, alumni.